HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. Again, guys, we really appreciate all your support. And if you don't mind, can you give us a review? Give us a five-star review. Leave us a comment on social media. We're at Pennsylvania Woodsman on Instagram and Facebook. All that stuff is really helpful when you can, you know, promote us. It, it, you know, there's some kind of hierarchy going on there when you can give us a good five-star review, keep us up in the ranks. But, you know, reach out to us. You know, we've been on the network here for a year and we've had some some people reach out and just give us some feedback and we appreciate that. You know, our social media, you can reach out to us at uh, at Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Send us an email. You know, that information's out there too. Our email is pawoodsmanpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all that. You know, if there's if there's topics you want to have, if you've got a story you'd like to share, things like that, by all means, we want to make it as well-rounded in Pennsylvania outdoors as possible. And uh, this week's episode, you know, keeping things well-rounded in Pennsylvania outdoors, it's no different. This week we spoke with Justin DeLong and John Henney, who are in the process the past few years of really trying to improve the sport of archery in their local community. They've taken a a club that was, you know, starting to fall off as far as the level of activity in the archery club that they had and stuff like that. And they, uh, they really turned it into something special. They do some great events, some great shoots, have awesome targets, great setups. And you can tell when you talk to these guys, they're really passionate about it. So we chat with these boys, talk about that. We get into some shooting things. You know, we start talking about overcoming target panic, what that looked like for them. I talk about a little bit what it was like for me. Going through some shot execution, the parallels between archery hunting and the target archery world, how there's might be some differences and how there's also some similarities and just making yourself a better, well-rounded shooter and then transferring that over to the next generation or just expanding that community. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, archery community, the hunting community, it really is a group of people trying to help as many other individuals as possible. And that's what's so exciting about this. So, I hope you enjoy this episode real quick before 
we get to the episode, I just want to have a shout out to Little Mountain Outfitters. So I was I was giving grief the other day. Apparently, I said that they carry Hoyt, and I was I, I didn't even realize I said it, so I misspoke. But they are a fantastic archery shop that has Matthews Prime, PSE Bear, and a couple more to uh, just to name. And if you need to update your crossbow, any equipment, arrows, knocks, you name it, they've got it. And it, you're talking about a pro shop that is excellent service. And it's not just a pro, it's a one-stop shop. shop. I mean, they've got the ability to hook you up for everything you need this fall. They've, they've got a little bit of everything from some tree stands in stock, clothing, and they're also dealers for tethered and all your saddle and mobile hunting setups. So, guys, check them out. Little Mountain Outfitters, Richland, Pennsylvania. It's a great shop, and uh, you won't be sorry if you if you check them out. They they just expanded their their shop a little bit, their timing and everything that that, that entails for them, and it's just a really exciting time for them. So be sure to check them out at Little Mountain Outfitters. You can check them out on Facebook. And uh, with that, guys, let's get to this week's episode. All right, we're live, guys, and on the phone with us today we've got Justin and. Jonathan, guys, introduce yourselves. Uh, we're talking all things archery in your neck of the woods down here in Southeast PA, so introduce yourself. How you doing? Jonathan Henny. Yeah, I'm Justin DeLong, part of Shrubsville Archery Club. Thanks for coming on, guys. You know, we were chatting back and forth, and I, I really love what you guys are doing and trying to grow the sport of archery in your local area. And, I mean, you got to start somewhere, and you guys have done a lot here recently. I mean, Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys have been working on, because you know, as we talked before, you got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going on to something that, you know, there's, there's, it, it doesn't seem like there's a, a ton of any kind of return other than your your time and your hard work. So, I mean, uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I'm I'm super proud of the guys up in Charlottesville. Uh, you know, we got a group of about 13 to 15 volunteers. Guys are very active all the time. You know, we have a good group of guys and. We try to put on the best course we can. A little bit of, you know, a little bit of everything for, you know, everybody gets a different shot at something different up there. And, uh, just trying to keep it fun. The biggest thing is fun. That's, you know, what everybody needs to concentrate on here is fun and getting the kids out there, getting the families out there and, and keeping the sport and the blood flowing. Good deal. Tell me a little bit about how you guys got, got started in it all. I mean, you guys are obviously archery hunters. You're, your your diehard bow hunters and archery shooters, but I mean, how did you go from just saying you wanted to shoot to I want to see what we can do to support the community? Yeah, yeah, I guess you know we. It's kind of funny. I met my wife now and uh, sitting on the back porch here, and I I didn't shoot archery for a little while. This is about probably nine years ago now, eight years ago, and uh, I was talking to her dad, and he's like, "Oh, let's go out and see what we and I hadn't done it for a while, and I said, all right, let's go out and do it. And just like that, we were hooked. And then probably not even two months later, we're thinking, man, it'd be cool to run, a, run an archery club or do something to give back to people. And uh, we kind of joked around, and then we found out that Shortlesville didn't have anybody running their program, but the guys that were doing it, uh, you know, kind of retired, and they put in their time. And before we knew it, we were in there and got things started, and man, it was it was fun. It happened fast, you know, and and gaining the trust of all the members there too. I mean, we we tried to put on the best we could, and 
you know, me and Justin, we were, we were, you know, we knew each other. A bunch of us knew each other. Um, we kind of just reached out to different people like, Hey, you know, you like shooting bow. Let's, let's kind of get together here. And I mean, to this day, we still pretty much have the same group of guys that started with us. Man, we had targets. They were horrible targets when we first started. Yeah. We're talking missing legs, missing antlers, <laughs> missing ears. They were so bad. Um, and they were hard as rocks. And we ended up, a couple of us started shooting and get really into it. Said, hey, why don't we go try to do this little bit competitively and see what happens. And we ended up going to IBO Worlds. Uh, I think it was six of us that went the first year. And when we were down there, they, we found out that they had a target auction that you could bid on targets. Mm-hmm. Well, goofing around, we were drinking a little bit and had some fun and bid on some targets. Next thing you know, we won two lots of targets and came home with a trailer full of targets. Let me talk a little. I want to pick your brain a little bit because you said you hadn't shot for nine years or something john um i'll ask you the same thing justin tell me about your process as a as a shooter um where you started out to where you got to the point where you wanted to try to shoot competitively and then just be the best archer you can as a bow hunter um talk me through that because i know every shooter goes through um I feel a journey and some people either embrace that journey to be the best archer they can, or some people just get to a point where they say, I can hit a pipe blade at 20 yards. I should be able to kill a deer. So talk a little bit about that and your, your evolution of shooting guys. Yeah. I, it was, you know, when I got back into it, I got to thank my father. Well, you know, he kind of lit that fire for me to get going again. And, um, I'm a really competitive guy. You know, I've done a bunch of different things competitively, you know, between racing and different stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, it was such, it's a great journey. You know, the people there, I can't say enough about the people in the archery community. Everybody works together. Everybody helps each other, you know, and, uh, man, I, I went from shooting a, a hand-me-down bow to, you know, going out to IBO worlds and different shoots and trying to represent uh PSC, you know, I was on the, the team there and, uh, it's, great time met a lot of great people you know and and um it's fun i like i like the competitiveness but i think i'm settling into the uh you know in between bow hunting and competitive at the same time i want to get out and enjoy the outdoors a little more you know i'm lucky enough to have a a little son uh eight months old now and congratulations by the way yeah there's there's a lot more important things than competition but hopefully he wants to do some of it and uh you know just keep trying to support the the archery community and do what we can for them. How about you, Justin? I was going to say, I was one of those pipe plate hunters, too, at one point. I mean, John kind of lit the fire under me when we started shooting. He kind of, it was one of those bragging rights. Who's going to be the better shooter today? <laughs> we just kind of started being competitive more and more, and finally it got to a point where, hey, this is something I'm pretty good at. Let's keep going. I want to see how far I can take it. And I was... Pretty good for a while there until I ended up struggling with some uh, target panic, stuff like that, and ended up going starting back over and having John pretty much coach me back into mm-hmm. shooting again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of fun, and at this point, work kind of took priority right now, but as soon as that slows back down, I'm hoping to get back into shooting more. Yeah, you guys said uh, when you kind of picked Charlottesville Archery Club back up, you said you had like six guys all come in. Um is it more now? Obviously, there's more in the club, but when you guys all started, was it just six of you got together and just jumped into it, or um, did you kind of gain those guys throughout the years? So, I mean, it, when we first started, it was like six guys that started there. Um, a couple of them 
you know, stuck around. I made a couple that kind of fell off just because kids or something else yeah. took priority for a little while. And it, I mean, we've been doing this, what, now, seven years? I was going to say eight, seven, eight years now. And I mean, it's kind of neat because now you're starting to see some of those guys come back in that fell off with kids. And now we're up to, I think it's 15 or 16 people okay. that are helping us out all the time. And I okay. mean, it's somebody comes in, they shoot at the club once or twice. And like, Man, this is a nice course. How do we help? And they just jump in and start helping us out and join the club. And next thing you know, they're a full-fledged full -fledged member helping us out. And it's a blast. So walk me through like uh, what is what does a calendar year look like for Charlottesville Club and setting up shoots and everything else like walk me through like how often are you guys doing shoots how often are you doing events um, you know the, the whole 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 nine yards. So we pretty much have shoots every fourth Sunday from spring till fall. You know we we set up every. Every, you know, Saturday before, uh, we get a group of guys together. And like I said, it takes an army and we're, we're fortunate enough to have a good group of guys that help all the time. Um, without everybody, we couldn't do it. And we picked up some really good members over the last couple of years here. Good guys that are into it. Like I said, I, I, we just couldn't be lucky enough to have, you know, the members we have now. You know, I mean, it's always great to have a couple, but we got a lot of good members and, Charlottesville itself, the main club, you know, they have like 2,000 members. You know, you always ever see the same 10 all the time, but it's nice to see that Charlottesville has at least 16 active archery members all the time. A lot of clubs don't have that. I know, uh, you know, one of the clubs down uh, in South Brooks County, uh, Papa Dick and Bowman, Kevin Moyer, you know, I got to give him credit. He has no help. He sets up those courses. Normally, it's just him and his wife, or he might have one person. Or he sets it up by himself the morning of the shoot, you know. But it's people like that that get out and uh, you know that's what makes Arthur grow. You know, people see the quality and uh, what he tries to do and what we try to do. You know, we're lucky we have extra help, but you know, it's it's just people like that, and it's the you know it's the stories and the passion that you see from people because you know 3D archery is a great way to practice for bow hunting. You know, you can go to college now shooting a bow, you know, through 3D and, you know, paper, paper. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's come a long way. It's not just out hunting anymore. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great way to go. And, you know, there's a lot of good people in the area. I mean, just the camaraderie alone that you, all the people that you meet in shooting is phenomenal. I mean, like Keith said, Kevin Moyer, when we were part of a Berks County Bowman League, I mean, we saw him all over the place. He'd be at our shoot one month next, uh, and there'd be two shoots going the same day. He'd be at, make sure that he'd hit both courses. I mean, whether it was on this side of Berks County or all the way on the south side of Berks County, he'd hit both courses just to make sure that he saw everybody. I mean, he was a, he's a really good guy to meet. And that's just one of the awesome people that we've met so far. Um, there's a lot of clubs in the state of Pennsylvania that are in the same position that Charlottesville once was and just looking for that next step to grow. And there's probably somebody that is listening to this episode. There's, there's guys you know, our age that probably have a vision of growing archery the same way that you guys did. So would you mind shedding light on the things you did, the things that were successful, the things that didn't work, and maybe things that you would like push people to try to start or something along those lines to 
like help anybody listening to this maybe want to try to grow the sport of archery in their community, whether it's in the state of Pennsylvania or whether it's somewhere else in the country? Yeah, wherever you are, you know, just like I said, don't give up. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's easy to get down on yourself, you know. Um, you just got to keep chugging along. You know, get a rhythm and stick to it, you know, and don't sacrifice quality. You know, if you, if you don't have time, always do the right thing, quality, and set up the course right. You know, don't don't just throw it together because that's the reputation you'll get. We all know that bad news travels way faster than good news. So, right. you know, you do one thing wrong and everybody wants to jump on your tail. But just got to really try to keep working together and, and get yourself a good support system with guys that are into it. You know, that way if you need a break, you can switch out with some other guys. You know, that's what you really need. Biggest thing, don't be afraid to talk to your shooter. If you guys got shooters coming out, talk to them, see what they think, what you can do better, what they like, what they don't like. Um, you got to listen to that kind of stuff. That's one of the fastest and best ways to grow. So do you guys see a lot of uh, hunter-shooter crossover, or is it mostly target shooters, mostly hunters? Um, and do you see guys who might start as target? lead into hunting or is it the other way around really normally it's the other way around you, know, you see a lot of hunters that jump over to the to the target now don't get me wrong there's a lot of people out there in target that don't hunt which it's okay you know it, it keeps them in the sport you know everybody has their own thing yeah. you know we see a lot of mothers daughters that are out there just doing the 3d you know it's a it's a good way to spend time with the family get everybody out in the woods you know let's enjoy some fresh air and you know, but there's definitely a lot of guys that are just bow hunters that come on over to the target side. And there's even some guys that go the other way. You know, it, it's, it goes both ways, but you definitely yeah. see a lot of guys that, you know, they come from the uh, bow hunting over to target. Yeah. One thing I've been amazed by, and it's, it's really, I think, picked up traction in the past five to 10 years is how the the sport of target archery has crossed over into the bow hunting world there's so many things uh technology related equipment set up that's just more uh commonly known or pushed whether it's social media or just you know pro shooters that are also hunters or what you know what have you um but I, I think that crossover and you, you'd mentioned that target shooters that don't hunt and come to target shoots um, I think there's an opportunity there to help a lot of bow hunters because Justin, you know, you had said about working through target panic and that's something that probably every or, or a lot of um, archers have gone through, whether they're hunters or not. From my perspective, I feel a lot of hunters really struggle with that because it's pretty much uh, natural that most people just pick a bow up when they're hunting and the goal is to put it behind, an arrow behind the shoulder and most people just slap the trigger and that develops some real bad habits so um guys if you wouldn't mind you know maybe justin you can start us off with with uh your experience in target panic and go through chat a little bit about working through that and how that crossover and target archery and, and archery hunting has improved your archery capabilities and archery hunting i mean <laughs> With target panic, I was so bad. I was at the point I was missing a block, a what a four by four block target at one point, um, at 20 yards. And John, like I said, I was talking with John, having him try to help me. He brought me back into standing five yards away from the bale and just shooting at nothing. Center of the bale, just shoot mm -hmm. and start over blank. 
uh, and just blank bail for the longest time. I think it was probably a month and a half of shooting like that until finally he let me take a step back and start shooting at a target again. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to get over, but once you do, I can honestly say it made a heck of a difference. Um, and it was able to transport into the hunting aspect of things. I mean, I missed quite a few deer because of target panic and mm-hmm. went from shooting at uh, missing a four by four bale to being able to hit a golf tee at 20 yards. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely helped. How about your perspective, John? Like uh, of the course of your, you're getting back into archery and, and, you know, getting on to, you know, pro staff shoots and helping out and stuff mm-hmm. like talk a little bit about your process and shooting and trying to be the best archer you can and, and how maybe target archery and target archery practices have helped you be a better bow hunter. Yeah. You know, I, I, I struggled myself with target panic, to be honest with you. Um, man, it was, it was something to kick you right in the rear, you know, uh, I went through it. I, and, you know, that's how I was able to help Justin. And, you know, I try to help whoever I can. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough. Everybody's going to go through it. You know, some people don't know they have it. They think it's just normal to punch that trigger like that. You know, guys do it with guns all the time too. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's something that is uncontrollable, but you can definitely beat it. And, you know, you just got to have some patience and not give up. Robbie, do you ever experience target panic? Yeah. No, yeah, I did uh, this okay. year during uh, during deer, deer during deer season when I was trying to shoot my deer. Oh, really? I think yeah. I I don't know why. I think. I mean, I sh- two years ago when I was shooting all the time, just shooting three D and shooting at targets in the backyard. I was shooting phenomenal, and now it might be a little bit of changing my gear on my bow all the time. So I'm constantly have different arrows, different, different, uh, different sights. So that might be a little bit of it. Okay. But two years ago in deer season, nice buck came up at at it was like 35 yards, and I was fully capable of shooting 35 yards. But yeah, it was just I I just froze, and yeah. it wasn't like this monster buck. It was a nice buck, but I just didn't even lift up my bow. I was just staring at it, mm. and that's not that sounds more like buck fever yeah, than target yeah. panic, though. And <laughs> And then this year, I mean, you know the story, Mitchell. I don't know if John and Justin, if I told them before, but my buck this year, I think I the buck was right there at 12 yards. And, I mean, I tried to sneak it through some trees, but it was just like those yeah. trees weren't even there when I tried to shoot. Um, so it might not be exactly the definition. Do you ever experience, like, on target, like, you know, issues with pin lock or, like, uh, you know, the, the tendency that once it wants to hit the, the dot that you have to pull the trigger. I mean, I've shot no, with you a lot. And you're, yeah. you're pretty patient with your, no, with I'm, your shots. No, I'm I'm not like that at all. I'm my one buddy who shoots, he, I don't think this is target panic, but it's definitely, I told him, I don't know if he should shoot like this, but. He, I know who he, you're talking about. It's target panic. I've watched yeah, it. He, <laughs> he comes down, he draws back, he's high, and he always starts high, and as as he's coming down, as soon as he passes wherever he's aiming, he pulls the trigger. Yeah, that's target panic and wholeheartedly. That's, that's that's no good. But no, I don't. I guess what you're asking is no. I don't think I have target. Yeah, you're panic. pretty. I'm you're pretty, pretty patient with your shots. I mean, I experienced target panic too. Um, and it took. It actually took me years until I feel like I I completely don't have a problem with it. Um, I shot. Uh, 
I, I couldn't get out of it with my trigger release. I shot an index trigger for release, you know, since I started bow hunting and shot it for a long time. And I just continued to, uh, I, I couldn't break the habit. I needed to do something different. And then I, when I started shooting indoor archery, um, at a, at a local indoor club, um, just networking with guys there. And I, I borrowed a hinge release and I, I had no idea what I was doing at the time, but you know, that was probably, that was probably over 10 years ago. And like to this day now, um, my, my go-to release is a, is a hinge release on, on my wrist. Um, I've gone back and I can execute good shots with uh, with index with a thumb release. It doesn't really seem to matter what release I use. Um, it's just that's now what I've gravitated towards is what feels the the most comfortable in my shot process and execution. And um, I think target panic. I mean, target panic is 100% in your head. I mean, it is 100% a mental blockade that you need to break. And everybody yep. has their their different things, but there are certain um, uh, with exercises and, and there, there, there is much your, your body and your form exercises that you work on in your shop process as it is mental exercises. Um, some of the things I did, you know, I did a lot of blind bail. I took my sight off my bow when I started and shot three feet away and just executed. I shot in the dark. I shot with my eyes closed. I just put tape over. I did anything I could to just try to change my mind. Um, another thing I did is I used to set my release really, really heavy that I couldn't fire. And I would draw back and just address the target the way I wanted to address it and hold my pin and just watch it float. And I'd hold it as long as I possibly could without breaking bad form and, you know, my muscles fatigue and let down. And I just keep doing those processes and trying to think of stuff. Um, you know, with, with your connections, guys, um, chatting with other target archers and, you know, you, you guys are pretty darn good yourselves. I mean, is there any other things you guys have done and worked for to continue to fight it? Is it something you continue to fight with or is it one of those things that you're on to the next step? Like, you know, talk about that a little bit. I think I beat it. You know, uh, I I switched to a hinge release, you know, probably four years ago, you know, when I had trouble and I hunt with a hinge release. Okay. I shot all my deer with a hinge release. You know, there's nothing like hunting, you know, a field edge or something. The deer stops the click of your release. You know, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's probably the best feeling I ever had. It's something that changed my outlook on archery. Mm. You know, we're, we're lucky enough to hunt, uh, some farmland, you know, and we got a lot of corn and soybean and, you know, and different cover rows and stuff like that. So it's a different kind of hunting. You know, a lot of our woods we hunt you know, or, or less than an acre, you know, it's passing through, you know, it's a lot of, you know, different kind of hunting. And I, I, everything I do is with a hinge release. If I were to put a thumb release or a, or an index finger release in my hand, I'd probably go right back to target panic. But mm. since I put the hinge release in my hand, I haven't had it. And it's, it's great feeling because man, I've, I've been there. <laughs> I mean, I'm good with it as long as I'm not in a competition setting. Um, as long as there's no pressure, I'm fine. As soon as that pressure comes on, <laughs> I'm right back into that same setup. Okay. And that makes uh, that makes it tough for bow hunting. Oh, absolutely. Do you have anything I, you're working on or trying to do to make that better? Because I've been there where you'll all year long you're just pounding the target, you got a great shot execution, great shot form, and then, you know, even a doe comes out in front of you and you get your heart pumping and it's like, Okay, where did where did all that form go? Like why am I not on autopilot? 
I mean, nothing really. Right now, I mean, like I said earlier, the hard part is just having time to actually shoot. Uh, yeah. As John was saying earlier, he started a business. I have my own business part-time, and then I'm working full-time for another company. So trying to find time to actually shoot, and then I have two young kids, both in sports, trying to find time is just next to impossible right now. Yeah. Uh, but once I find time, I mean, yeah, I want to get back to just blank down and start over again and see what's the best where do you find the most value in like, you know, all, all four of us here, like we're, we're of the same realm, you know, married. Most of us have kids, you know, Robbie's, Robbie's getting married and um, I don't know how long uh, Hannah's going to be, be uh, okay with not having kids. I, I think she's probably going to hound you pretty quick. No, but, I don't think so. You don't think so? Oh, no, we'll I, see. I think it's going to be well. Oh, come on, Robbie. It's great. Honestly, it's probably the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> I know that's what you said, but I think it will probably be a little bit. But I mean, you know, we're, just average average Joe Schmoes that love archery. Um, from your guys' perspective, do you have anything that you try to really think about or, or prioritize? Like if I'm only going to be able to associate this much time to archery and getting myself better, where is the highest value? Is that going to be just a few shots at 20 yards? Is that um, a, a form thing? Is that an aiming thing? Like where do you guys find the most value in trying to to maintain or improve your shot execution? Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm practicing, I guess, for, for our, you know, archery season or whatever you want to say, you know, I always try to stay like 30 yards, you know, just because, of course, you can shoot less, you can shoot a little more. You know, I always try to practice around 30. Now, if it's, you know, if we're going out to shoot some tournaments or something like that, then, you know, I practice a little bit of everything. But archery season, I always try to stay around 30 because, you know, it's it's your average. Okay. I'm right there with him. And, you know, if trying to maintain that, just trying to, you know, even preseason, for instance. Um, if you're, uh, you know, right now, here it is, it's May when we're airing this. And uh, we're, we're busy. You guys are, you know, John, you're a landscaper. Um, you know, I'm an agronomist. We're, we're insanely busy this time of year with this type of work. And um, I don't pick my bow up as often as I should, and maybe you do or don't either. But as we go through the year, and, you know, if you're preparing for archery season, I mean, how do you, um, how do you look at a – I guess let me reword the question this way. What is your ideal practice scenario? And then with that practice scenario or regimen or whatever, um, what does that look like under a time crunch? And when I, you know, average Joe, you know, family man type thing, you know, condense that. How do you prepare yourself as a better archer going towards this fall? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, I, I, honestly, I think it's just getting out. There's a 3D shoot almost every weekend here in PA. Uh, and just getting out, shooting 3D when you can. I mean, it's all realistic scenarios. You know, it's not like you're just shooting a target in the field. So, you know, I, I just get out and shoot 3D when you can. We're lucky enough since we run a club, you know, we're already there. So a lot of us can get out and shoot if we have the time or whatever it is, you know. And that, honestly, 3D is probably one of the best ways to practice. Yeah, for for sure. I, I would agree with that. I, I bought a bunch of 3D targets last year and kind of set up a range that I could shoot to like almost 100 yards at my house. And uh, it was it was great to shoot 3D targets because, you know, what, what other instances? I mean, one of the things I've struggled with on game, um, and I think a lot of people struggle with it, is shooting high. Um, I, I struggle 
and and I don't I don't feel anymore that that shooting high on a deer. I don't believe that it's because I'm not following through or I'm I'm cheating my shot or I'm trying to watch my arrow. I truly believe it's your mind naturally on a deer wants to center your pin. And I think 20 and in a lot of the time I'm okay. I'll keep that I'll keep that centered shot. But if I try to shoot, I, I still, I, I still, I've never said this on the podcast, but I'll, I'll say it now. I think the absolute worst shot in archery woods is 30 yards, and a lot of people think I'm, I'm crazy for saying that. But if you look at slow motion video of deer and when they react to a shot, 30 yards, I feel they react to an arrow as much as any distance, probably the most, like I've seen people shoot deer at 40, 50, 60, 70 yards with a bow and the, they do not react. And it, it's something with the sound barrier or something going on there. And I'm, I'm not smart enough to say it, but 30 yards, I've shot so many deer at 30 yards that ducked my arrow. So I've really been trying my best to come up with some kind of practice setup, And I'm, I'm, trying to aim lower i mean i've gotten to the point now at, at 30 yards on my 3d shots I, i'm almost aiming that i miss the target sometimes and I, I feel like when i'm doing that and aiming for that low heart shot i'm if i'm going to take a shot at a deer at 30 yards um i feel that's going to be the most successful i mean yeah it's that, that's been one thing i've learned yeah I, i've seen that you know I, i've seen a lot of deer duck you know uh it all depends too, you know, which way the wind's going, the light, you know, different things. I think playing the factors, bad luck, you know, sure, it's absolutely. Yeah. But I think 30 yards is that's probably where you're going to see your mistakes. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you, uh, Robbie, you got something to ask him? No, I was just going to ask, uh, it's sort of going along the lines of, of 3d shooting and just practicing, um, I sort of ask this to everyone we talk to. If you uh, you guys work a lot with beginner bow hunters, I'm sure beginner shooters and people who maybe think they know how to shoot, and then you see them shoot, and they're like, "Okay, let's let's break this down a little bit more." Um, what would you? How do you start uh, when you when you approach a, a beginner? How do you start uh, teaching them? Like, is it is it all form? Is it uh, like just sort of break that down. I've, I know when I started. Um, obviously, I have background with my dad and family and everything. They were shooting bow, and they sort of t- taught me the proper way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, I, I think my biggest flaw is a when I practice is I practice at twenty thirty yards, and I think I only shoot three arrows each time at I'm like, oh, that's too easy. And then I start shooting 40, 50, 60 yards. And then in a real life situation, when the deer's at 20 to 30 yards, I might not be as comfortable. Do you, do you guys see that a lot? And like I said, going back, where do you guys sort of start with beginner bow hunters when you, when you teach them? I think, uh, you know, form and being comfortable is the two biggest things that'll make or break you out there. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be comfortable. You know, if you're not comfortable, you know, it's just as bad as having a bow that's not set up right or your form's wrong. You know, yeah. you got to be comfortable in what you're doing. Yep. John, I wouldn't mind picking your brain a little bit more. I, I I didn't hear if you said you did, but I know, John, you said you still shoot 
um, or you are shooting a hinge release for hunting. And yep. um, you see more people doing that, but that's that's still pretty different, not, not a normal thing. And a lot of people have a lot of negative things to say about that. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you some of the things I hear when I say it. Um, uh, I tell people that I shoot a hinge release, and I've heard comments like, well, sometimes you need to let one fly, and it needs to be quick because animals don't hold still real long. Um, I've heard that. And, you know, a, a click is going to scare a deer if you have a clicker on. You know, sometimes I shoot with one. Sometimes I shoot without one. Um, I, I, a lot of them are, are slipping my mind. But you hear a lot of negative attributes when it comes to shooting a hinge release, and that's only a target release. I mean, what what's your thought process in response to that? Yeah, you know, every, you got the old Dutchmans out there, you know. If you're not shooting a leather strap and uh you know, index release, you're not, you shouldn't be hunting, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think whatever you're comfortable with, you know, I literally, if, if I can go out and shoot 3d shoots and I can go out and shoot tournaments with the hinge release, why can't I take it hunting? You know, it's, there's, there's no difference. There's no difference whether you're out there practicing, whatever, you all the time, you know, but yeah, you have guys out there, you know, backyard bow hunters and different things. Everybody has an opinion, you know, but, Whatever you're comfortable with is what you should be shooting. And I, I stand behind that. You know, I, you know, everybody makes a bad shot every once in a while, but I've successfully taken all my deer in the last four years with the hinge release. You know, and I've made almost all good shots. Do you have to, um, do you have any different shot process when you're hunting compared to target? I mean, and, and you know, a critic would be correct in saying that, you know, animals don't, stay put they move you know there it's we're we're not on the same playing field as when you're you know you can hold all day long on a on a on a target so can you talk about your shot process and your release execution with a hinge is there any difference from hunting to um target or or is there not i don't feel there is i mean whether you're on a target or you're on a deer you know it's the same scenario you got to go through the same steps either way you want to make quality shot you know i don't go out there and just fling arrows so you gotta you gotta really take your time whether it's a tournament or whether you're hunting and i i do the same process either way okay i one thing that i've uh, really tried to improve upon you know i i feel for me that my best shot execution is somewhere between four and ten seconds i feel like when i get after that eight nine ten second range, i start to fatigue and i i don't execute the best shot and, you know, when you translate that to hunting, I really want to always try to figure out how I can be at hold for the right amount of time. And, you know, sometimes we have to draw early and hold, and sometimes you do have to make a quicker shot. But I'm really trying to come up with a process of trying to draw earlier or get ingrained in my mind that if I see a shot and I'm looking ahead at a white tail that I want to kill, is it looking ahead and trying to plan where I want to make that shot, but drawing significantly earlier so that way i can go through the process of you know uh or you know you know a, a good solid t formation having my arm position the way having my shoulder position and my 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 release hand position right you know bend at the waist and uh you know i always address the target you know me personally i, I like to address the target from from the top down and then settle and then you know breathe and relax and you know embrace the float pull through the shot um 
I think it's one of the things that I've really been trying to work on because I do run into situations where, and I, this past year on the buck that I, I ended up goofing up on, um, I rushed the shot a little bit. Now, the rushing the shot had nothing to do with me missing the deer. Um, I was shooting at 30 yards before we left, and I have a single pin sight, and first time in my life since I'm 12 years old, I didn't re- I didn't return it to 20 yards, and Buck came into 15 yards, and I just went on autopilot, and I, I, I it was a faster shot process, and I was concerned at first that that was the reason I missed the deer, and then I realized my pin was on 30 yards, and I shot you know clipped his back straps and that was that so that was uh user error over shot process but i i do recognize that my shot process is a little bit different so i always like to pick people's brains in that um justin and all that stuff that we're talking about with shot execution um hunting to target i mean do you have any input on that it's just biggest thing is taking your time and following through on everything Mm -hmm. um running through your steps doing your normal form and going through everything. Other than that, there's not too much difference yeah. between a wrist strap, a thumb release, or a hinge. Um, it's really user preference. And I had a hinge for a while, and I went back to my thumb button just because I like my thumb a little better than my hinge. And that's the biggest thing I think everybody needs to realize is it, the release doesn't fix the problem. The release is just a feel for your shooting capabilities. Like you go to a a thumb button because that's what you feel comfortable with and you can still execute a good shot under pressure. You know, John and I were shooting hinge releases because that's what we feel most comfortable for. And um, not that the release is the problem for the shot execution, it's the user behind it and that's what we feel most comfortable with. Um, You know, on target, I can shoot, um, you know, I have a, a Carter two-shot um, index release, and I, I love that release, and I, I do shoot it a lot. But um, when it comes down to the moment of truth, I think where I stand as far as being the best bow hunter, best bow shot I can be, and making sure I'm going to execute a consistent shot, it I do it with that release. So, you know, I'm right there with you, John. Like, why would you change something if it's working? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. My shot process, I think, is identical between 3D and hunting. I literally go through the same steps. I think I go through the same draw cycle thinking about it. You know, I I really try to practice the way I'm going to go after the, you know, the game you're after there. So... You know, I, I really think that my shot process is the same, but everybody's different. You know, that's what makes makes it, you know, interesting. Yeah, I you know, with the hinge release and, and thumb buttons in target archery, a lot of people gravitate right away towards back tension, and back tension is a is a fantastic form of archery, and uh, it it takes a lot of good form. Um, but I know a lot of good shooters who have good form. And don't fully embrace the the concept of back tension archery. Um, address the target, have good form, uh, keep the muscles that they need to to use, um, you know, intact. In but the muscles that need to be relaxed, they remain relaxed and execute a shot with by squeezing the trigger. You know, just like you would think with a uh, with a gun. And there's nothing wrong with that either. You got to come up with a shot process and regimen that works consistently for you. Yeah, you know, back tension is not, you know, everybody always says, I'm going to use a back tension release. 
you know, that is not a cure-all. And actually, there's back tension in every form of a release, whether it's a thumb release, whether, you know, back tension is just something you should be doing to keep your form proper. You know, you should always, you know, it, it, I think people mislead the term back tension. You know, back tension is not the release. The release is not causing back tension. You know, you have to create back tension in your setup. And if you can't, maybe your draw length's a little too long. Maybe your draw length's a little too short. You know, that's all things that make your setup, you know, bulletproof. And that's all things that a lot of people overlook, you know. But you have to make sure you understand what is asked of you in your setup, in your form, in your body. You know, you have to know your limits. Good deal. Oh, man. Any Mitch, point? I got to ask. Yeah, far away. How many times did you punch yourself in the mouth with that hinge release the first time you used it? Believe it or not, I've never punched myself in the face with a hinge release. And I know that sounds surprising. I've actually punched myself in the face more with other releases that were not hinge releases because of a fault or me bumping the trigger. But a hinge release, there was only one time I can remember I was getting... It was actually not when I was getting used to it. I was, I'd shot this release for years and I was just I got lazy in a practice session and I got about part way back and I was at the point where I was actually almost underneath my jaw and I think my thumb just slipped off of the peg and that arrow I was like I said I was above the target that arrow went sailing I never found it but I actually never broke my nose on a on a hinge release I I, I think I I think I broke my nose I actually never got it checked out one time I, I busted up a a, uh, a trigger style release, and that was just my own stupid um, stupidity. <laughs> John got this brand new back tension release this one time, and he told me, he's like, oh, you'll have no problem with it. I drew it halfway back, and it was hot. I punched myself full draw right in my mouth. <laughs> I had a bloody lip like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> oh, I, I did. A, sitting there laughing. <laughs> I did a good one, and um, shout out to Devon at Little Mountain Outfitters. Um, I was at the bow shop the one day I was chatting with him and I said, Hey, I, I don't remember what, which bow it was, but one of the brand new 2022 bows was there. And I was like, Hey, I, I'd love to shoot that. And, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. And I, uh, I picked it up and you know, usually when you go to shoot a bow, somebody gives you like the cheapest wrist strap release. And I think like you, when you shoot a bow, like a release is just as important for me. And I didn't have my release with that day and his, his hinge was sitting there. I was like, oh, do you mind if I shoot your hinge? No, go ahead. And he didn't have a clicker on. And it wasn't a big deal. I shot it a couple times. But the one time I had my hand set a certain way, and I, I was drawing the bow back, and I, I it was too hot, and I clipped it. And this brand-new 2022 bow drops to the ground, and arrow hits the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, I feel like a dummy. Um, so... I, I think that bow turned into like the everybody can shoot it bow, but I don't think he sold that bow because some dummy over here had to drop it and it has a little bit of a mark on the bottom of the limb now. So somebody buys that bow and you have a mark on the bottom of the limb, I, I owe you <laughs> I owe you paint and tarnish. I don't know. Maybe Devon didn't want me to say that. It's probably like, really, we, we we sponsor your show, and you're talking about you dropping our boats. Like, what a schmuck. Who is this guy? Oh, man. So, guys, um, 
you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take all your time away, but I appreciate you coming on. One thing I'd really like to, to ask you before we go, maybe Robbie has something too, but I'm really curious, you know, looking forward to 2022, what, what has you the most excited? Um, whether that is something within the club and what you guys are working towards, maybe that next step. Um, and and or um what's got you excited for this fall yeah i have to say you know the biggest thing i look forward to you know with charlottesville is uh our bow fair you know uh it's a fourth weekend in august you know we have three courses that's 60 targets out there one course is a hammer course it's called just let it fly uh the other course is called grassy meadows that's you can shoot anywhere you want out 50 yards and the other course uh, no, that's the the swampy um swampy timber marsh. Sorry, guys, timber marsh. And okay. uh, like I said, you get you get marsh, you get you know the fields, you get you know the big timber out back. We have a little bit of everything to offer, you know, and it's 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 affordable. You know, there's vendors, there's thirty five plus vendors there. You know, it's 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 a good weekend. It's a two day shoot. Good deal. That does sound pretty cool. I mean, and I'm most excited for our uh, breast cancer shoot coming up. I mean, that's the blast. I'm more excited for that one right now. And then after that one passes, of course, the bow fair is going to be my next big accomplishment when we get into that one. What's the date on that, uh, the breast cancer, the breast cancer one? What is that date? It's in July, isn't it? Put me on the spot here, Robbie. Oh, I, I, just, I thought you knew it. No, it's, hold on. Yeah, July 31st. Yeah, July 31st. Yeah, and the registration's on our Facebook page for that. So if anybody wants to join and sign up, you know, it goes to a good cause, you know, go ahead and, uh, you know, look us up. Charlottesville yeah, Archery Club. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure that we have the – we'll tag you guys and, and everything else with the post of this episode. And uh, you, you talked about the, the Bow Fest a little bit. Um, tell us again, when when when's the date for that? And uh, what all are you guys going to have there other than the shoots? Because I know there's there's a lot that goes on that weekend. Yeah, so the the bow fair is yeah August twenty seventh and twenty eighth. You know, there's thirty five vendors. There's um, there's novelty shoots. There's a running deer shoot that's free um, with any entry. You know, you can stand there and shoot that all day long. Um, you know, there's three courses. Like I said, there's good food. You know, we have lots of food vendors coming, food trucks. Um, you know, and and honestly, you can just bring in. There's you know, bring it easy up and hang out. We've got campgrounds right up the street. We've got hotels right down the road. You know, you can come up and spend your weekend with us, and, you know, we'd like to see you, that's for sure. And I think we might have you guys up there, you know, talking a little hunting. We're hoping to. We'd love to uh, love to network with everybody there. Um, so we'll have to make that happen. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that'd be great. As long as Hannah lets Robbie. Nope, I'll be there. I'm hoping to shoot again this year. And oh boy, he, Robbie, you're turning red. He's, <laughs> he's already got the muscles. Like, I'll be there. That's he's not right. married yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will be at that point. <laughs> there you go. Uh, John and Justin, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thank you. Take care.